We know now that in the early years of the 20th century, this world was being watched closely by intelligences greater than man's. Men from Moto. Digital strategies with Travis Sowers and David Seville. Intellect, vast, cool, and unsympathetic. Broadcast to the world with the uncanny help of Mana Deprived and FaceToFaceGames.com. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen of the internet. Welcome to the 13th episode of the Men From Oda podcast that we have dubbed The Pilot. My name is David Seville, and I've got Travis Sowers on the line with me. Say hello, Travis. Hello, Travis. Now, some of you are probably thinking, wait a second, these guys aren't the men from Moto. What is this scam? I mean, you'd, you'd kind of be right. Um, we're not the original men from Moto, or at least I'm not. Um, and this might be a scam. We're not sure. Travis, maybe you can explain what's going on here. It's totally a scam. You are being scammed right now. Uh, no, m- many moons ago, there was a Men From Moto podcast uh, in which KYT, Josh Frankel, Kenji Igashira, and occasionally me would talk about uh, Magic Limited stuff. And then it kind of died. And here we are looking at uh, perhaps resurrecting it. We're, we're going to call this the pilot. So certainly hope you enjoy it. Check it out. Um, and it's because we're piloting this vehicle of Calida- What? relevant i suppose i, I mean, was sort of is, going somewhere there it is kaladesh and we are piloting the first episode so are we more like a renegade freighter you know chugging down the tracks ready to run over some servos are we more like the sky skiff kind of just floating through the air fancy free what do you think i'm i'm a predator flagship what is the thing called it's not predator flagship Oh, it's the Council Sky Sovereign that. something ship. We're, we're that. We're soaring above everything and dealing three damage to people at a time. So hopefully you guys will uh, put this in your ear holes and listen to it and let us know what you think of it. Uh, we're going to try out a few episodes here and see what we think of it. Yeah, uh, I'm really looking forward to it. You know, like we said, this is a pilot, so it's going to be a work in progress. We're going to try out a few things. Um and we're going to see what the listeners like. Hopefully we had a few people listening to it. We're going to see what we like, and we're going to tweak on as we go, and uh, we've committed ourselves to a few episodes here, so it'll be a work in progress, uh, and we hope that you enjoy the journey with us. So for this episode, uh, we're going to start by putting our own spin on a few Kaladesh Pick One, Pack One scenarios, and we're kind of going to go in-depth on a couple of these. Um, hopefully we'll spin off some some side topics. Now, we're not going to focus entirely on Kaladesh th- this episode. Um, you know, it's already been out for a month. You know, we've still got a few months till Christmas and then and, and Aether Revolt, uh, so we're not quite lame-ducking it yet. Um, but, you know, it's been around for a while. People kind of know what they're doing, but we still want to talk about a few things, just maybe not as in-depth um as as we can earlier in the format uh, and then we're going to close out uh the podcast with a segment we've dubbed hyperbole now i'm really excited for hyperbole i'm not going to spoil it for you but it it starts and ends with travis getting wrecked so <laughs> with- <laughs> i don't know about all that and then in the middle of this lovely sandwich we're going to have a little bit of a main topic called i guess better life through video recording where we can talk about how to get better at magic 
through recording your videos, possibly streaming if that's something that interests you. And that's kind of what we do. We're two Magic Online streamers. And we can talk a little bit about how our play got better through streaming and video recording. Yeah, and actually that reminds me, we should probably introduce our, ourselves from a, from a streaming and online perspective. Um, so myself, I am the most famous streamer uh, in this household. And uh, <laughs> I stream under the Twitch name uh, DCivilian, that's D-S-A-V-I-L-L-I-A-N, um, same as my moto name. And Travis, who is the most famous streamer on this podcast, uh, where can they find you? <laughs> uh, Simulan. Um, people around Mana Deprived know me. I've done videos on the site. I've, I've recorded podcasts for the site. A couple people, like two or three, and my mom watch the stream. But you can find it at twitch.tv slash Simulan. And there you go. Okay. So without further delay, we're going to dive right into pick one, pack one. All right. So here's the scenario. We're streaming away, we've got, you know, we're opening up our first pack, we've narrowed down all the options, we got chat yelling at us left and right, pick this, pick that, pick this, pick that, and what we've settled on is we've settled on two cards. This is essentially what our pick one, pack one segment is going to be. We're going to take two very close cards in pack one, and we're going to discuss the merits of taking one or the other, and it's, it's kind of a scenario where... You know, it's very close. Neither card may be right. Neither card may be 100% wrong. Um, but we're hoping that these spawn kind of interesting debates and discussions. And that's that's the plan. That's the concept behind pick one, pack one. So I'm going to start it off. We've got a couple here for you today. Um, I'm going to start it off with one that I had on stream a couple of weeks back. And it was Unlicensed Disintegration versus Hunt the Week. So Unlicensed Dis Disintegration is one uh, red and a black for an instant that is destroy target creature if you can control an artifact unlicensed disintegration deals three damage to that creature's controller versus hunt the weak which is one of my favorite cards in kaladesh so far which is a three green and a sorcery uh, put a plus one plus one counter on target creature you control then that creature fights target creature you don't control so mr travis what do you first pick in this pack oh man that that is actually a really good one and a very close one i'd I think I have to default. You know what? M maybe I'm not. I'm not going to be the safe Travis here. That instant speed has really got me interested in unlicensed disintegration. Yeah, and like, despite it being th a gold card, um, it's a very splashable card. You know, it's it's an easy to cast splash late game. It's very powerful late game. Um, you know, unconditional removal is just always fantastic. So I think the differentiation here is you know this ver the splash versus not the splash and i think i'm leaning with you i think i would probably take the unlicensed disintegration but i would not fault anybody for taking hunt the week for two reasons one green is just it feels like the best color like it feels like it's the consensus best color and it's so deep like yeah. if you go into green and there's two other drafters at the table that are also green you're all going to end up with a reasonable green side of your deck still it's, it's very likely that that will happen Unlicensed Disintegration is kind of a unique gold card, and like I said, it's easy to splash because it's a late game play. It's an early game play. If you if you hit your uh, you know red on turn ten, it it doesn't it doesn't really matter. You can still play it. And red black is you know kind of a reasonable color combination. Even though people say that red is the weakest color, you know if red is your lighter color and you play a lot of your removal in red and all your creatures in black, I think you're looking that you know it's it's still kind of okay. So I think I'm with you on that one. 
um, I would probably take unlicensed disintegration. I think I would too. I want to go a little bit deeper on Hunt the Week versus unlicensed disintegration because I, I, I play a lot of green. Obviously, green is exceptional in this format. I, it's it's not always easy being green, but it sure is in Kaladesh. I have I have had games that I've lost because I didn't have a big enough creature in play to fight what I needed to kill. I've occasionally had scenarios where I just didn't have a creature on the board, so I couldn't use Hunt the Week to kill the thing that was killing me. And even when you want to time it right and do it just perfectly, Hunt the Week can occasionally be blown out by something. A combat trick on the other side, gods forbid a removal spell in response. So I, I don't think Hunt the Week is quite close enough to push me off of unlicensed disintegration just by virtue of being monocolor because the the advantage of hunt the week is if you're far more likely to be green and something than you are exactly red and black the, mm -hmm. the ease of splash mm -hmm. and the fact that everybody and their mom has a prophetic prism makes it a little easier to go into that but it's really the instant speed that gets me um in there for that one and the, the fact that it's it's almost impossible to blow out uh unlicensed disintegration what they've got to have the uh hex proof trick to get you uh, unlicensed disintegration, I guess, um, like built to built to built, last. If it's built an to artifact. last, if it's an artifact, a counterspell, or the hexproof trick, like there's just not much to yeah. interact. It just kills the thing you need dead, and that's that's not an it, easy it thing does. to come by in draft. So I, I think I'm going disintegration, but there's a, again a compelling argument for don't take a gold card, pack one, pick one. I think if you are picking a gold card pack one pick one, this is one of the the ones you should be doing yeah. it for. Um, but not a lot of people like picking gold cards in, in pick, pick one pack one, and, and I can support that. I, I understand that. Um, it's interesting because unlicensed disintegration requires setup, but it requires setup in deck building and your mana base, whereas Hunt the Week requires setup in the way you structure yeah. your game, right? Like like you have to time it correctly, whereas unlicensed disintegration you kind of have to draft around it so it's different t different types of setup um but i think both are, are powerful unlicensed dis disintegration is just objectively more powerful um it's just harder to play at times so okay i like that um and i think like that's a really good pick one pack one to start with um so i think it's gonna be tough for you to top that one what do you got for me we're gonna go from gold card versus monocolored card to colored card versus colorless card Ooh. So you may think I'm joking, and in fact, the listeners may think I'm joking too when I when I read this out. But this happened on stream. It was a an actual close pick, and I'm I don't think I picked correctly. So let, I, I'm gonna bring it here. Angel of Invention, three white white for a two one flying vigilance lifelink. Fabricate two. So you can either get two counters on it or two servos. And it has an anthem stapled to it. Creatures you control get plus one, plus one. So we've got that versus Renegade Freighter. Ooh. Three mana for a 4-3, crew two. When it attacks, it gets plus one, plus one, and trample until end of turn. What is your pick, Mr. Seville? Oh, man. My pick is probably 99%. Why did I have to open both of these in the same pack? And then... Not reluctantly taking the angel. Um, I think I'm still very happy to take it. Um, I do think about taking the the train because, like you said, it is colorless. Um, I think the that the angel is worth forcing white for. White is is a fairly strong color, not as deep as green, um, but it it goes in a lot of different decks. Um, you know, you're playing 
14 to 17, or maybe not 17, 12 to 15 creatures, I guess, in most of your Kaladesh decks. This thing pumps all of them, and it pumps out servos. Um, it, it has a big remove me target on it, but um, I, think, I think it's more powerful uh, than the freighter. But that being said, I can't fault anybody for taking the freighter because you don't know what colors you're in, and starting off with a colorless card is, you know, kind of kind of insane it feels in, so good. Uh, in Kaladesh. It does. You don't know what you're doing, but you can do anything, yeah. right? Like, the world is your oyster. I think the thing is, like, the problem with that is, is if you don't take this white card and then you get past a bunch of white cards, I don't think you can... I mean, you can take them, but you're not going to get hooked up in pack two. Right? Yeah, but like, who cares about Like, you're probably two. just going to get crushed. This is a whole other segment, but I... That's true. I don't care about the signals I'm sending. The signals I'm getting are the only ones I'm I'm really concerned about. This is true. But it, it, I think this was the pick that really opened my eyes up to how powerful Renegade Freighter is. I took the Angel too. Now, you know me, I'm not the guy to force any color. I, I did end up in white, and the Angel was good in that deck. But seriously, having to sit down and think this through and brain on this... Like, that opened my eyes to how powerful the freighter is. And it's just such a safe first pick. Like, there are certainly rares you should take over it, but I, I think that Angel of Invention is on the short list. Because all it says is, are you going to be planning on killing your opponent with damage? That's if, true. If yes, true. this card's going to be great in your deck. Yeah. And, and, and I think Angel is definitely above it, and I think you're right. I think it is a short list that I would take over over the freighter. So It's the Trainswalker. <laughs> the Trainswalker. I like it. I haven't heard that one yet. Um, so what did you end up taking? Did you end up taking the Angel then? Yeah, I took took the Angel, went white. Um, the, the deck was good, but I, I, it was an actual decision, not just an auto-pick. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Did you ever feel like you would have rathered the Train instead of the Angel when you drew the Angel? No, there, there was okay. not a scenario like that. I, I did, like when I got past the next pack and wasn't sure what's open and what's not, kind of wish mm -hmm. I'd taken the Train. Mm-hmm. And that is the advantage of taking the colorless cards. So yeah, you can just play it. Yeah, that was an interesting one. I got. I like that. I've got another kind of similar one. Um, I think this one um, is a is a good demonstration of that. You know, colorless versus colored card. Um, but the cards are much weaker. So hopefully, um, this is definitely the weakest of the the pick one pack ones. But I think it was an interesting pick. This happened to my stream or on my stream last night. We opened. Cultivator's Caravan, the rare, the mana rock uh, vehicle. So tap to add one of any color to your mana pool. Uh, it's crew three, and it was it's a five five when you crew it, and it's three casting costs, I believe, right? Yeah. Is that correct? Right. Yeah, it's like dark dark stealing good or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, versus Long Tusk Cub, which is one in a green for a two two. When it deals combat damage to a player, you gain two energy, and when you spend two energy, you can put a plus one plus one counter on it. I I struggled with this one not very long, um, but I, I think it was an interesting kind of discussion around that same, like, do you go colorless? Um, do you go colorless plus fixing with a vehicle that is actually good? Or do you just kind of go for this consistent, you know, turn two play that, that's usually good, that sets you up for green, which is, again, one of the best colors in the format and a very deep color? Um you know, that opens you up to a bunch of different synergies, whether that be energy synergy or plus one, plus one counters, or do you just, you know, like I said, you just go for this kind of consistent fixer crew colorless card that just goes in any deck. Well, now, just so we understand, Long Tusk Cub is a cat, right? Yes, I believe so. And it gets fatter and fatter over time? That would be accurate, yes. Yeah, I, I think this is one of the premium uncommons in the format, and I am slamming it. 
over the caravan. When you said caravan, I was like, I can't think of many cards you could put next to that that I'm going to argue against the caravan. And then when you said long tusk cub, I'm like, oh yeah, there we go. That's the one. Occasionally you can play this on turn two on the play. And I have had this happen where my opponent's on the play and plays a long tusk cub. And I'm just like, well, I can't win. I wish I was so lucky. I have a, I'm going to go into a little bit of a story about that. I did take the long tusk cub and I played one game with this last night and I won the game, but I was able to turn to long tusk cub twice, once on the play and once on the draw. And both times it either didn't attack or attacked once and was not able to attack again. So the first time I was on the draw, I played it on turn two, played a Rhino into it on turn three, but my opponent had um, a Glint Sleeve Artisan with a Servo, so I couldn't attack in profitably. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to trade it for, for, a, for a three drop. And it never got in that, that entire game. The next game I was on the draw, or sorry, on the play, and I played it on turn two, got one swing in, and my opponent played a Durable Handicraft on two, and then played a Sage, uh, the 2-1 that makes 3 energy, putting a plus 1, plus 1 counter on it, versus my 2-2, which could have been a 3-3 Long Tusk Cub, and there's no way I'm trading for that. Um, so it got shut down both times, but if, if my opponent didn't have a blocker, um, or, or didn't have a blocker that could stand up to a 3-3, then like those games are just over. So Long Tusk Cub can take control of a game, and it is one of those kind of premium uncommons that you would take over a caravan. And I think I think it, it was an interesting discussion, but I don't think it was close. What was close was we kind of talked about a little bit about the different uncommons that I would take the caravan over, um, or, or the, the top kind of cards in each color that I would take it over. And Long Tusk Cub might have been the only one that I would slam, not even think about over the character. Yeah, it, it's just that powerful. And like you're saying, I wouldn't trade it off with this card or that card, but you can if you need to. Like, Oh, absolutely. The, and I was attacking Yeah, that's it. the value of the card. And like, it, it sounds like the deck maybe didn't quite get there on all of the energy producers you'd like, but pack one, pick one, you know, the sky's the ceiling on, on the cub. You could be playing a couple of tune with aethers, a couple of thriving rhinos. Before you know it, you got tons of energy and you, you just, you build a giant fat cat and stomp your opponent. Absolutely. And even if you don't get there, it does have potential to take the game completely away. Or if you have some other way to get it through with combat tricks or things like that, it's just, it's just a super reliable card and, and the upside is, is there. And in the worst case, you have a two-two cat for two. Yeah. So you can't you can't really complain. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to take the Cub, and we're going to put the Caravan in the litter box. All right, sweet. We've got a really sweet deck. We've got Unlicensed Disintegration, um, Long Tusk Cub, and... Angel uh, of Invention. Yeah, sweet. So we're four-color good stuff. Not blue. I like it. I dig <laughs> it. Four-color, not blue. I like it as well. All right, so that's going to wrap up Pick One, Pack One for our first podcast. Um, I thought it was a pretty good segment. Hopefully we can do this again. I, I kind of enjoyed it. Um, I would if, pick it pack one out of the things in this podcast so far. I would too, but we haven't seen the rest of the podcast. Ah, oh, fair point, fair point. So, Travis, what's our uh, what's our main topic today? Main topic today is better life through streaming, and what I mean by that is how to get better at playing Magic by either streaming and letting people watch and give you feedback, or just by recording your videos and watching them yourself. Um, I started recording my videos kind of without any expectation that people would watch it with the idea that I wanted to watch it and see what I was doing. And, and that certainly kicked me off on a, a path that eventually led to streaming and making my career out of playing Magic. But I knew I got a lot better at the game just by reviewing those plays and looking at those things. 
this is a this is an interesting topic. This is something that we see asked in your chat um, quite a bit. Like every once in a while, somebody will just come in and they'll they'll just say, "Hey, like I'm new. How do I get better at magic?" And you know, I'm gonna agree with you 100% on this. Um, when I first started playing magic, I started playing in paper, obviously, and I find myself. Um, not learning a lot. I was playing a lot by myself, um, didn't really have a play group to, to hang out with. And one of the first things that I did when I kind of learned about Magic Online was I decided, well, I'm going to record myself play. Um, and I'm going to see, you know, basically just watch myself play and learn from myself. And it's quite interesting because um, I don't know about you, but I found that my win rate went up, you know, probably five to six percent, I would say. I was winning significantly, significantly more games um, after I started recording and kind of noticing all of these holes in my game. I think this is a, a really interesting aspect of, of playing Magic Online, and it's one of the advantages we have. And I think this will be a useful kind of segment to help uh, new players out in, uh, in getting better and reaching their goals in Magic. Yep. I, I agree. I, I saw the same thing. I didn't track it. I knew like you've got spreadsheets and stuff and like Google Docs to track your performance and such. Is, isn't that right? Yeah, that's right. So I only track my results online because obviously they're easy to go back and, and pull. And actually the spreadsheet started from um, I think it was like the limited resources subreddit or somebody posted a, a spreadsheet that I've modified for my use. Um, but yeah, I basically track every win, every loss. Um, and I have like a rolling chart that tracks, tracks you know, my last 10 to, to 50 games alongside my rating and it's really interesting to see the patterns in my play too um which is something that i get not only from recording but also tracking the history of my games okay i i, I haven't tracked it to that extent i do know that once i started recording i stopped spending money on magic online and that's really the, the key piece right there right everybody talks about going infinite and and it's very hard obviously to go infinite um, a, a very few players do it, but you know, if you went from spending money to not spending money, then there's definitely some kind of noticeable, uh, you know, noticeable difference there. Um, and how much would you say? Like, is that 100% recording, 60% recording? Like, like, what do you think the impact has actually had um, on your game? I, I think it's some mix of both. Like, if if you're recording your stuff and you're actually looking to do content creation, you're going to see an increase because of frequency of play. Like. If, if you're recording content and making stuff to put out there, you're going to play a lot more and that's going to make you better. But I think just the act of recording it is, is going to get a start, um, especially just going back and watching it yourself. So let, let's say somebody wants to get into recording their stuff for themselves. First of all, why not just watch replays? I think we should talk about that for a minute. And then once they've decided to, to go for that, how do they do it? So what are your thoughts vers about recording versus just watching the, the replay that's already built into the system? Yeah, actually, that's that's a really good point. Um, the replay system is good because there's no upfront investment, right? There's no time to learn how to use a recording program. There's no fiddling with settings. You just go into Magic Online, you open up a game, and you watch it. Huge upside there. It, no barrier to entry. The major downside is that you lose a lot of uh, the ability to remember and comment on your play um, as you go. So, you know, you're, you're watching the replay, you might pause and you might say, oh, what did I do here? Why did I make this, this mistake? What was I thinking at the time? The advantage of recording is obviously being able to talk to yourself uh, or share those recordings with other people and have audio commentary and you can remind yourself what you were thinking at that time. So even if you're not making a recording for anybody and it's just for yourself, it's a really good idea to, to verbalize what you're doing. You know, we're attacking here because of this, we're blocking here because of this. Things that you might not necessarily remember uh, if you just looked at the replay. So, you know, it's almost like three, 
three levels of this, I would say. The first one is, is trying to recall your game, recall your mistakes without actually reviewing your play. The second one is trying to remember what you were doing at the time when you're looking at the replay. And the third is actually talking to yourself. It's like, hey, future David, you know, you're going to make this mistake <laughs> or you're going to you're playing this way because of this. Um, and it's a really good reminder, um, you know, and review process if you actually have kind of that extra audio. Um, bit yeah, I, I think that's super helpful. And even if you're not recording the audio, just like the. The way the replays work there, it kind of just skips through the phases and all the plays just happen. Like there may be a spot where you sit and think for 10 minutes about a play, right? Noticing that that's the play of the game and this is the part you should pay attention to. I think it's way better to record the audio and say, I'm thinking about should I play around this or that? Like you don't have to narrate your plays the same way that people that are recording videos for a living do, but just give yourself a clue about what you're up to. So I, I agree completely. You, you should be recording these rather than just using the replay function if, if your goal is to get better at magic. This is true. Um, you know, like I said, the replays are a good start, um, but the, the barrier to entry to actually recording a video with audio or something like that, you know, is, is very minimal. So, you know, for example, um, you can get a cheap headset mic for a couple of bucks, you know, 10 or 15, and you, there's all sorts of recording software out there for free. Um, I believe Windows comes with free screen capture uh, software that you can use. I'm not 100% certain on that one. Um, or you can just go out and get the, the streaming studio OBS. Um, it's, it's free, it's easy to set up, and it just works most of the time right out of the box. So if you have a headset, you know, and OBS, put those two things together, you literally open OBS. Uh, Magic Online can be a little finicky to get to appear in OBS, but once you get that figured out, you literally just click start recording and go. It's that easy. Uh, there's really no no reason uh, or no barrier um, to, to go from you know wanting to record your videos to actually recording your videos. I have two comments here. One is one more plug for why you should record your videos is when I was in the just video review phase, like just watching replays, I would quite often go back and watch games that I had won. And it was so much fun because I'd go back and I'd watch me making all these cool plays and see all this awesome stuff happen. If you're investing the time to record a video specifically to review, you will go back and watch the ones that you've lost and the games that you've won. And you can find places for improvements in both of those the losses and the wins. So some people may want to just go back and watch replays that they've lost. I think you should still watch the ones you win. Did you play correctly even if you won? And then two, I would encourage folks to try this OBS thing. That's what I use to stream. You don't have to stream with it though. You can just record audio and video. And it, the only tricky part is that um, Magic Online won't capture as a game. So you just do a monitor capture. Um, there's plenty of video tutorials out there about how to use OBS, so I'm not going to go too deep into that. But you can download this and be recording videos in just moments after listening to this podcast and then go watch yourself play. And I have experienced dramatic improvement in my win rate. I know Dave has as, as well. So I, I strongly encourage everybody to start doing that. And then share the videos with your buddies. If it's two or three people that are watching it, like that's fine. It, if all you want to do is, is get improvement, I can tell you there is nothing like having a couple people or a thousand people watching what you're doing and giving you <laughs> feedback. 
Yeah, that is a pretty cool feeling. Like, obviously, I'm, I'm, I don't have the, the viewership that you do on, on any videos or any streams that I do. But even just having, you know, 15 to 20 or, or people, uh, you know, watch your, your stream or, or watch your video or five people watch it, you know, anything outside of your own scope, your own kind of range of thinking just opens up your mind to all the possibilities of the different lines, of the different plays. They see things you don't. They help you see things that you weren't paying attention to. And they also hold you accountable. So I'm going to talk about this in kind of two steps. So one, you know, when, what I found when I started recording my videos uh, for myself, my own play, is that I was accountable to myself. So you mentioned watching, you know, watching your wins versus watching your losses. I started off in that category of, hey, this is cool. I can go watch my wins. Oh, look at how much I, I, I won. Wasn't that great? And I found myself avoiding watching the losses because I was embarrassed yeah. maybe sometimes of a play that I made. And then it, it kind of clued into me. It's like, this is interesting because I'm I'm holding myself accountable. If I'm embarrassed of, for a play that I made, I don't want to make those plays again. I need to go and remind myself of those plays and why I was embarrassed about making those plays. And the only way I can do that is by reviewing them. So I have this uncanny superpower. If I, if I was a superhero, this is my superpower. I can remember 99% of all mistakes I've ever made in games, in sports, in life, it's ridiculous. I will sit for an hour at night and I will replay <laughs> magic games that I played three years ago. I'm not even kidding about, oh man, I just could have won that game. So <laughs> having having an English review process just, you know, it kind of takes a little, that, little bit of that pressure off. And, and I actually, you know, I worry about it in the moment or after I've recorded as opposed to worrying about it when I'm up at night and, and misremembering all the details. Um, but, you know, once I started watching those losses... I started finding holes in my game. I started finding things I could plug and I was accountable to myself. The next step to that is sharing these with your buddies. And I think if you want to get better as a magic player, I think you need to have a community around you of your friends, of, of your, 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 your colleagues at the game store or, or work people that, that share magic as a hobby with you. Um, and, and I think, recording your video is an opportunity to share your game with those people. You don't even necessarily need to stream, but if you can find one or two people that are like, yeah, you know, I want to get better. I want to help you get better. Let's get better together. Uh, video is a great way to do that. And when I first took the step into streaming, you know, I had two people, three people, four people watching me. I was no longer accountable to myself. I was accountable to the people that were watching and I didn't want to embarrass myself, which is maybe not the best way to approach it. But for me, I didn't want to embarrass myself. I wanted to play the best that, that I could, and I wanted to learn with the people that were watching me. So, um, you know, that sense of accountability really helped me out, and I would not have been able to get that unless I was streaming slash recording my videos. So, And then you also get to watch the, the videos where you go through and you roll your opponents in, you know, 30 seconds, and you're like, look at this nut draw. Wasn't it awesome? Those are the best. Uh, that is an upside to... Those are the best. That is an upside to recording, and... And I do enjoy that. I do go back and watch a lot of the things that I, uh, videos of streams where I won. Um, but I also do review the ones that, where I've lost. And I think that's that's more important. But as you said, and maybe you can go a little bit deeper in this, like what can you learn from watching a win versus watching a loss? Like what are the different things that you can learn? Um, or are they even just the same? Well, I'll start off, whichever you're watching, one thing that you need to recognize, especially if you're sharing your videos with other people, is that there's a big difference between mistakes and differing lines of play, right? So sometimes I'll make a play that's just stupid. I'm walking into an onboard activated ability or I just don't know what my card does or I didn't bother to read my opponent. That's just dumb, right? So you, you can start by catching those things and other people will help you catch those things. 
the the big place where it comes to games that you won versus games that you lost, that's where you start having these conversations about differing lines of play. What am I playing around? Am I playing around anything? You can get some interesting board states where you realize that you can't actually play around any card, and the only thing you can do is swing team, have your opponent eat a couple of your dudes, hope that they don't attack you for some unknown reason. They have blanks and draw blanks, and like I've, that's a whole other podcast topic about playing to your outs. But I've I've won games like that, so I think in games where you're winning, when you review them and go through your thought process, those are the times where you should be thinking about playing around things. What can my opponent do to get out of this, and how can I make sure they don't get it? In games when you're losing, are you just playing your cards? Like, that was actually the biggest thing that I noticed when I started recording my videos, was that I had a tendency to just play my cards. If I had a removal spell, I'd use the removal spell. If I had a three-drop, I'd play the three-drop. Like, think about what you're doing. Does this, especially in those cases when you're losing, is this creature that my opponent played, does it matter? Is that what's going to win the game for them? If so, use the removal spell on it. If not, can you answer it with one of the cards that's in your hand? If they're beating you to death with a 3-3, do you have a 1-4 in hand? If so, play that instead of the removal spell. So look and make sure you're thinking through things like that and not just kind of blindly playing cards and like, oh, I missed my third land drop. I guess I'm going to lose. I've won a lot of games I have no business winning just by having the the brain engaged. Does that make sense? Yeah, it absolutely makes sense. And um, I generally refer to them, I don't know if this is correct or not, but I refer to them as inflection points in the game. And basically, it, it's the point in the game, it's the turning point in the game, or a point where there's a very serious decision that needs to be made. And sometimes those decisions are made when you're winning, and sometimes they're made when you're when you're far behind, right? So, you know, a lot, of, a lot of games of Magic, the first few turns are always, you know, you play your cards, like you said, but there's always an inflection point, um, I would say. And those inflection points are what makes the difference between an average Magic player and a good Magic player, I think. And obviously, like, good to pro. Um, they're just infinitely better than that, that that I am. But analyzing those inflection points, I think, is a really key point um, when you're reviewing your videos, and that's exactly what you're talking about. So, you know, if you, if you picture those kind of, like, TV shows where, like, you know, they, they pause in the middle of the action and it's kind of like a, like a comedy or a sitcom or something like that where, you know, they pause and it's like, you know, and this is where everything fell apart <laughs> and then, then the show continues. That's kind of what the inflection point is to me. And, you know, when I'm, when I'm reviewing a video or I'm reviewing a stream, I'll often pause it and I'll say, like, okay, I should have been thinking about a critical decision here and I was on autopilot. You know, I might have won the game. But, you know, a really good example of that is like, well, does my opponent, could my opponent have Fumigate? Why did I play out this creature? I was winning on board already. And it really helps you identify that autopilot and also identify these critical points in the game. And once you get good at identifying those through through review, you start to kind of recognize them naturally and you recognize those patterns. And, and I, I found that happen. And I really think that this is where it came from, was recording the videos and streaming. So, like, I'll be playing a game and just playing blazing fast. And then all of a sudden I'll stop. Even if I'm not recording these days, I'll stop and think about something for two or three minutes. And it's it's fine because I've recognized we are now at that, you know, the play of the game, the inflection point, whatever you want to call it. This is the moment that's going to define whether I win this game or not. And, like... Just being able to recognize that they're happening is such an important step. I think there's a lot of people that just 
that believe that the the game is determined based on the cards that they've drawn and played out. And there's so much more decision making to it than that. And that's how I began to recognize that was by recording and reviewing play. Excellent, excellent. Um, do you have any more like any tips or uh, or anything else to to kind of tack on so our viewers can go away and make awesome videos that we would love to see on Twitter? Yeah, I've been known to leave myself on mute and, you know, go through two or three minutes of stream while everybody laughs and enjoys it. But just get over yourself and do it. You don't have to share it with someone, but I think you're leaving a lot of value on the table if you don't. So I I would encourage you, go download OBS um, or use another program to screen capture. Record it, narrate it, and share it with everybody that you can get to watch it. And that will make you better at this game. it's almost instantaneous. Like the first time you go back and watch one, if you record an entire draft or sealed event, you're going to notice something like for me, it was, why did I do that? What was I thinking? And like those moments are what you're looking for so that you'll recognize them when you play again and go, wait a minute, what am I thinking? What am I doing? Why am I making this play? I, I guess really this is all about disengaging that autopilot Take control back from the servos. We are driving this train. That's that's a great way to put it. Okay, if uh, and if anyone out there has any questions around uh, where to get OBS or how to set it up, um, you can just hit one of us up on Twitter. I'll take a screenshot of my settings. But it is really straightforward. Um, you should be able to figure it out if you're a reasonably intelligent person within a few minutes. And even if you are, even if you are having problems with it, and you are reasonably intelligent, um, there are some quirks there with the Moto client um, and OBS. So you wouldn't be the first person to run into problems. But if you can download a program, you can uh, you can record yourself playing Magic Online. Infinitely easier to use than Magic Online, by the way. Even people who aren't reasonably intelligent have figured out how to use it. I stream all the time. Don't sell yourself short. You don't stream all the time. Welcome to the first edition of Hyperbowl, where I am right and Dave is wrong. Boo. Hyperbowl is a segment where we're going to take a firm stance on something. In this case, I'm going to say that sealed, as in the way to play limited, is definitively better than draft. Wrong. Dave will obviously be taking the other side. Why are we doing this? Well, Magic players tend to be just a tiny little bit hyperbolic, as in everything's either the best card ever or everything's the worst card ever, complete garbage, this deck's unplayable, this deck's amazing, why would you pick that in this meta, etc., etc., etc. We're going to kind of bring that down to our level and, and have a fun but spirited debate over a topic. Uh, so this time we thought we'd choose Sealed versus Draft, primarily because I've been playing a lot of Sealed, and Dave, being a loser, has been playing a lot of Draft. So Dave, sell me on Draft. Why should I be drafting instead of playing Sealed? Draft is the greatest format you will ever play on Magic Online. You're missing my Donald Trump hands right here. Are, are they very tiny? They're very tiny, and they're making these little tiny circles. Okay. So, reasons why Draft is amazing. First, you've got complete control over the direction of your deck. You can decide you can train wreck it on purpose. You can, you know, first pick every single rare that you see and build an amazing deck. You can pick your color, you can force this, you can force that. You can do whatever you want. In sealed, you're locked in. If you open 6 bomb rares in one color, you got to play that color. You'd be an idiot not to. In draft, you can just pass those bombs. You can say, like, well, I might not get another bomb. This might not be in my color. And look at that. Hey, I'm not going to second pick this bomb. I can pick this color, colorless card instead. So, you know, 
with draft you have full control over your destiny sealed you just kind of get a pool pass to you and it's like whatever it's already built for me like pfft, this thing builds itself where is this where is the challenge in that allow me to retort i believe that you have considerably more control over what you're doing in sealed than you do in draft and to illustrate my point we will have story time with travis so it was not that long ago that I was sitting down to draft Eldritch Moon at face-to-face -face games in Montreal. Sit down, I open my packs, I'm drafting. I've got a pretty good black-red vampire deck going. It really needs two madness outlets to really be perfect, but it's, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. I lose my first round in close play, and then I'm paired up for the second round at Swiss against the person who was passing to me, and I annihilated them. Like, just utterly destroyed them they weren't even playing magic at the end they pulled from their deck box to call the bloodlines and showed them to me and said it's a good thing i cut these from you or your deck would have been insane they then dropped and went home because you didn't get any prizes for only one win so i actually had less control over that because my neighbor was in intentionally hate drafting cards that would have gone really well in my deck and made it better. And the only place where it was supposed to help them, aka against me, it didn't. So I don't have control over what's getting passed to me or if somebody's train wrecking the, the draft. Whereas in Sealed, I can sit down with exactly the cards I open, and my goal isn't to necessarily build a specific deck it's to build the best deck that i can with these cards that i've opened that i have 100 percent control over i see i see i see uh <laughs> sealed sealed blows come on how many times have you opened a pool and opened five rare lands all in different colors and you've been forced to play your commons and uncommons, I can think of at least 15 times that you have done that on stream, sir, and I can say I am not impressed. That is not something that I pay for. That is not the content I look for. I want to see dynamic drafters. I want to see dynamic streamers. I want to see making decisions on the fly. You can only get that with drafting. And you mentioned hate drafting. Hate drafting is a quality skill. We hate draft in life. We hate draft in <laughs> magic. I mean, you know, I go down the street and and I see a hot dog vendor. I'm like, sir, give me two of your best hot dogs. I, I don't say, sir, give me two of your most average hot dogs and you can give the best ones to the guy beside me. No, I hate draft those hot dogs. I take those hot dogs and I eat them and I load them up with all the great fixings and I make sure that the person behind me gets sub par hot dogs why because i am in charge that well, is why i like drafting you and your wieners are missing something one of those terrible pools that i opened uh was in a ptq finals and i went seven and two with that deck like that's quality entertainment speaking of ptqs if you want to play limited competitively you're not drafting the only time you're drafting is if you make day two of a gp or if you make the top eight of a ptq and how do you get there? You have to play sealed first. The cards have entirely different values. So if you want to draft and have it mean something, you've got to have sealed down first, which I would argue is just a, a much more compelling reason to spend your time playing sealed. Obvious top eight of a P online PTQ aside, there's a reason why drafting is 
to decide the top eight. And that is because it is less random, more controlled, more fun to watch, more entertaining, and more skill- skillful. 100%. Eh, I think it's just to do something different at the end of a long grind. Since we are men from Moto, my last kind of point for Sealed is it's better EV. Uh, you may have won the... You may have won the draft or the the debate with that one. You're right. It is it is more it is better EV. And since we are men for Moto and we do care about the number of drafts slash sealed events that we get with our tickets, I may have to concede that to you. However, I will finish with um, I play exclusively drafts, and and I don't think that I'm missing out on anything by not playing sealed. Um, and especially with the the onset here of of leagues. Um, drafting has the experience of drafting on stream, uh, drafting on, online has grown infinitely. Sealed was probably a little better before that um, because your games were longer, your deck building was longer, you could build your deck between rounds. Um, but but now that that we can get instant gratification from draft um, and and sealed as well, this, the sealed leagues are also good. Um, um, I, th- I think that has brought draft up to the level of where Seal is, at least for, for entertainment purposes. Um, for gameplay purposes, I respect your position. You know, this has kind of been a fun debate. Um, I My preference on draft is still because of the, um, the control that I have over it and building your deck as you go versus getting presented with a large pool and kind of building your deck over, over a constrained time period. Um, that's where I think the advantages are, but, um, you know, obviously I think they're very close and that's why we've dubbed this hyperbole. Uh, we're going to take, you know, those, those two extreme sides and fight over it and make some, some witty statements, you know, hot dog vendors aside, Wiener. Um, but Wiener. You, you really can't go wrong, honestly, like limited is limited. There's very slight differences in strategy. Um, some nuances in both. I, I, um, I think but... there's more than slight difference in, in draft to sealed, but I, I, I will concede drafting is a heck of a lot more fun. Um, mm. Like, I, I recognize that. It's just fun to sit down in a draft. Like, I know a lot of people who will watch draft videos and just watch the draft portion and then not be interested in the gameplay. Um, there, there are some cards that go up and down, depending on whether you're playing draft or sealed. Bastion Mastodon is, is one of my favorite ones to point out because it's a house in sealed, and it's, it's kind of okay in draft. It's it's interesting to me that, that like there's there's that level of difference between draft and sealed. Like obviously I, I play you know ninety percent draft. Most of my sealed comes from pre releases and things like that. Um, but but it just strikes me as as odd. I guess that's just you know depending on the the power level of of the pool. And obviously your sealed power level is much is much less synergistic. So your power level comes down generally speaking, which is interesting in in a set like Kaladesh too because. Um, there's all of these like mini combos and mini synergies, which probably are easier to find in sealed because these mini combos are like two or three cards as opposed to like like the eight or nine cards that you needed for the madness deck in um, they, in Innistrad, right? They are, so, but it, it means that you're gonna have you're gonna be looking solely at power level rather than combo shenanigans, and you'll have the most powerful deck you can build with maybe one or two combos in it, like two card combos. But like some of some of the stuff that's even more combo oriented, you're not just not going to get to. I do also think that sealed gets a bad rap and that people say it's just luck. It's entirely pool dependent. And I do not believe that to be the case. I think you have a lot of control over not what cards you get, but the the deck that you end up building out of them. So I, I always like to point out that sealed is a format. It can be fun and it is very uh, skill intensive in in my opinion. 
would you liken that to the ability to draft your seat in a draft? Like sometimes you open bad packs and sometimes you get past a very bad, you know, pick two, pack one. And you're like, I can't play any of this. This is junk. And sometimes you get bad signals. Do you liken like building your sealed pool to, you know, drafting your seat and that sometimes you just end up with a bad draft because of the seat you're in, not because of the 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 skill, the skill of your draft or I guess, sorry the skill of your draft can influence a bad seat in your draft, just like the skill of your building can influence a bad seat. Absolutely. Sometimes your Renegade Freighter is going to go off the tracks and train wreck your draft. And the same thing can happen. You can open a pool and be like, well, this doesn't look great. But the the skill part is in that tough seat, making the picks to get a consistent deck you can play, or opening that pool and saying, this is garbage, but I drove 100 miles to play in this GP, and I'm not just going to turn around and go home without giving this a shot. I still believe that most games of Limited are dependent upon who draws the right mix of lands and spells. And if that's the case, then no pool is truly unplayable. Excellent. All right. I concede that uh, I have won this draft and that we will maybe let the listeners decide um, either the topic or who gets to pick the side of the next one. Travis kind of set this one up, and he got to pick the uh, obvious sealed one. But future drafts, I think we'd like to either have it be a surprise or debating on the fly and you know, picking our, our side without going in and without having um, any additional prep. Yep, I think that'd be too. a lot of fun. So and hopefully you enjoyed this. Yeah, I, I was just going to say, remember Go anyone ahead. that agrees with Dave is a wiener. <laughs> uh, we're all wieners here, so... That's going to do it uh, for this episode of Men from Moto, uh, the, the episode that we have dubbed The Pilot. Uh, Travis, what did we learn this episode? We learned that it is 100% okay to talk to yourself while you're playing Magic Online, as long as you're recording. And we learned that playing Sealed is objectively better than playing Draft. Objectively. Yes. And, uh, and, and I learned that uh, I must be playing turn two Long Tusk Cub wrong, and I need to make sure that I'm playing it when my opponent does not have a three drop. Uh, so that I can attack freely and get those plus one, plus one counters. There you go. There you go. Also, make sure you draw lands when you need lands and spells when you draw spells. Pretty much. I think I think that sums it up. I, th- I think that's just general good magic advice, which uh, which I hope we shared with you today. Um, I hope that uh, that that everyone listening uh, enjoyed uh, the content that we've put together. This is our first first time at the pod, first go at the podcast, I guess, and and it's interesting because we're recording ourselves and we're going to be reviewing this. So I guess this increases our podcast skill. Um, oh yeah, dude, that's weird. We're, we're like doing what we said we were gonna that people should do in the thing with the stuff. Yeah, I, I mean, I know that that I've infinitely grown as a podcaster from the start of this podcast to the end of this podcast. So I went from zero to one at least, I would say. Yeah, yeah. I would definitely say you were a zero. <laughs> anyway, we're off to a good start, um, but uh, we would love to hear your feedback. If you have comments, questions, uh, any kind of feedback, please hit us up on, on Twitter um, and or Twitch. Um, Travis, can you maybe uh, give him your, your Twitch handle oh, again? Oh, yeah, you can find me everywhere under the tag uh, Simulin, S-E-M-U-L-I-N. I'd also encourage folks to, um, if you record those videos, tweet at me. Tweet at Dave. Let us know. Like We, we will check them out. Or check them out, as you might say. 100%. I, I definitely enjoy watching other people's content. And uh, and if you don't mind feedback, I will certainly share it with you. Uh, and you can catch me uh, on the Twitch and the Twitter uh, under the tag DCivilian. So so that's going to wrap us uh, wrap it up this week. So once again, thanks for listening. Uh, and we hope that all of your games of Magic are at least fun. Thanks for listening. Aloha.